Guys, welcome to Minefields. We got the whole crew here today. Mr. Colin, Mr. Tony Morales. Good evening, gentlemen. That was the sound of me making an expression instead of realizing that I was on a broadcast. Mm-hmm. Bonjour, <laughs> mes amis. And contrary to what you might think, Colin does not have a face for radio. He's actually pretty handsome. <sighs> Whatever. No, I'm all right. I got my moments. Sometimes I wonder if he's a man or is he a Muppet. But other than that, my my head would be flapping uh, in in like a like a gator rather than than my jaw you, moving. But if he's a Muppet, he's a very manly Muppet. He's a very manly Muppet. Yeah. Have you gentlemen ever seen manly. the original Muppets? Like back when uh, Jim Henson would do that shit on Saturday Night Live. It was terrifying. No. Yeah. It was terrifying. It was terrifying and very adult. Hmm. I yeah, I saw something about that recently. I just you know don't remember what it was because it didn't 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 really pop at me. You know, uh, I think my wife was watching a documentary on it one time and freaking, I saw it. And I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, it was it, it was pretty it was pretty out there. It was terrifying, but it was very adult and like uh, same thing happens like with uh, when people first uh, and it's very hard to find it. But um, if you can find any old VHS copies or someone has, like, an old, like, ridiculously bad quality version of Pee Wee Herman doing his stand-up back when he first started, it was gnarly bad. <laughs> there, there's, <laughs> like, whoever thought it was a good idea to let him be around children, um, it was some sick joke that just went too goddamn far. No, nobody ever, no, Paul Rubens was never necessarily supposed to be... Uh, anything more than you know a regular, interesting stand-up comic, but it's just the mere fact of his character of Pee Wee's Playhouse that he was supposed to be a perpetual boy, right, or child, as it were. Um, that's the only reason why anyone would think that he would need to be around kids. Same thing with the what Dave Coulier and um, Bob Saget. Who's the other Bob Saget? Yeah, on Full House. I mean, they're real comics. They get a job that pays them to play a character that is kid-friendly for however many years to win for them. But, you know, then, then they get typecast into that concept. Yeah, agreed. And uh, the Pee-wee thing is something else, though. But what a, what a trip, though. Like, you're, you're a kid, you find out he did something bad, and then you grow, oh, up, you grow up to be someone that you would... And everyone has it that I've met, that whoever was really into Pee-wee, they all have some weird perversion. And it's not like like you find out that he was like caught in a, in a uh, from what I understand it was a gay uh, porn theater uh, you know uh, helping himself out and they were talking about it on Rogan the other day like isn't that what those places are for <laughs> like they just they, exactly they targeted that was him. you know they targeted him they now, did I think yep. I think he got I think it was a a blackmail or it was an extortion or he got I think the same thing happened yeah he got what. Railroaded. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe not even literally, but, like, I think the same thing happened to George Michael. I, these people did not deserve the treatment that they got and the scrutiny that they got in the press. Uh, you know, if I, I would, if we, if God willing, we had still George Michael around, I would go to his shows. I would love to visit with him. I'd love to work with him. None of that stuff would have stopped me from being you know, excited about his music and his performance acumen and like Paul Rubens. I mean, I still stand a chance of getting to work with him at some point. And 
he, you know, none of that stuff bugs me. I'm just, I'm a huge fan. I, I was a big Pee Wee Herman fan. I loved the two. I loved the first movie in particular. The second movie, not so much. But I used to love that TV show growing up. It was, I was probably too old to be watching it when it came out, but I really liked it. Couldn't do it. It, it terrified me. Like, I, my mother, I can understand that, though, my, yeah. My mother let me see, like, horror movie after horror movie. As long as there wasn't a nipple in it, I could watch it. Um, <laughs> I could watch people get butchered. But Pee-wee's yeah. Big Adventure scared the dog shit out of me. There was something wrong. Like, all of my, like, childlike instincts, like, run away. Like, this is some danger here. Uh, especially, mm-hmm. it wasn't even the Large Marge scene that got me. It was, in the, it was the scene, it was the scene where he's sitting in that dinosaur with that woman. And yeah, they're they're sitting in the head. His girlfriend? No, it wasn't his girlfriend. Which, by the way, is uh, the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats, and also played one of the prostitutes mm-hmm. in The Devil's Rejects. Uh, the one that was uh, thinking about doing some horn to uh, start Star Wars. Um, yeah, they were talking. They were having a conversation in in the head of that dinosaur, and it just terrified me. I couldn't do it after that. Like, still to this day, it creeps me out. Mm. I liked him as Penguin's dad. He was awesome as Penguin's dad. Oh, yes. In, in uh, Batman Returns and in Gotham, if I remember correctly. Yes, sir. You did. I will read, say... You read the role. Yep. Uh-huh. And he was great in Mystery Men. He was awesome I in love Mystery him in Mystery Men. Oh, my gosh. Regular or isosceles? Still <laughs> one of my favorite lines in all of movies. Nice. Uh, <laughs> no. Penelope Ann Miller, who I just worked with her last year. She was the... Uh, the miniature woman in Big Top Pee Wee, uh, she she was she was awesome as an actress. Uh, she really delivers, and she's really great in person. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I still had to like develop stuff for her at the drop of a hat uh, as a props person, which is always a like what like out of nowhere type of thing. You got to roll with that, but oh man! Speaking of rolling with stuff, so many. Crazy, yeah. Tony, how do you think it would be to work on a movie with John Cena? Like, from what you hear probably backstage, you've probably met a bunch of people that's met him, and then you hear the shit on the rag sheets, and then you see you see him wrestle. I loved him. Like, I liked him when he was doing the 24, uh, the, the, the United States Championship Open Challenge. I loved that. Um, but he's actually one of the reasons why I stopped watching wrestling uh, back in the early 2000s. The Ruthless Aggression was lame as shit to me. How, what do you think it'd be like working with, with him? He seems like a tool to me. Eh, I don't know. I'm sure he's professional. Freaking people are paying him to do a job. He's going to do the job. Freaking, it's like working with anybody else. You know, Whether you get along with a guy or you don't, job's a job. You loving him as Peacemaker, though? Oh, yeah, dude. I freaking, I'm a fan. I think it looks great. Freaking, my, my kid's got probably a half dozen John Cena figures right now. Does he have the uh, I like shirt? The... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I'll come back to me. Come back to me. I was just curious if uh, if uh, Lil Morales has the the shirt, the hat, the armband, and the headband, and the no, no, no. The only the only wrestling shirt he's got is the I Heart AEW shirt we got when they came to Denver before (laughs) the uh, before the plague hit. That's awesome. We were we were at the show that was two weeks before they stopped doing live shows. They did Denver, they did Salt Salt Lake, Lake and then they were done. It was Salt Lake City when uh, Jericho came backstage and word on the, the word spread that uh, the NBA was canceled. Dude, I remember that day very well. 
John Cena, I think they, there's there. I don't know what it adds, what what it uh, actually stands for, but they talk about in the entertainment industry somebody having a high Q rating, and um, like Scott Bayo is one of those people, and Tony Danza, they have really high. Q rating when when people do metrics and uh, t- do like um, uh, statistical analysis with uh, groups of people they they uh, or I'm trying to think of the right terminology here but I can't come up with it like focus groups they're like oh well who who do you who do you trust who do you like who yeah. has a great smile you know and who who would you love to see as a pitch person you know these so those guys in particular I think John Cena has a high Q rating, but what's odd to me is that he doesn't he doesn't come off smarmy. He comes off slightly disingenuous, and I think the thing that is there is That's that maybe that to put it. yeah. I mean, he he looks like I've seen him in interviews where he's you know there's no kayfabe. He's just talking about being a wrestler because they're asking him, and they'll ask him questions, and he's. Being really matter of fact, and I think that it's kind of interesting that his personality is so matter of fact when he's away from playing the character of John Cena or you know the rap character or any of the other business. But like, the guy is so talented, you know. He's 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 the physique. He's that chiseled look. He's that perfect hair. He's he can freestyle the rap so well. He can lift. I mean, he's got all of these things going for him. And so he's just been ushered in to these to be the pitch man for like glad bags and yeah. some car company and all of these other things. And he's just advertising and he's just striking while the iron is hot because he doesn't have to show up and beat himself up anymore. I'm, I mean, has he ever taken serious injury enough to knock him out? Not that I can of think the, of. He's had a couple yeah. of injuries here and there that took him out for like six months or so, but nothing, nothing, like, nothing like a year plus. Nothing notable. notable. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I mean, want him to succeed, but I think he's going to do great. Uh, I think he's, I think we're going to see him around for years to come. I, and I don't I think agree. he's going to get to that like switch where he's doing serious dramatic things. Like you think about the course history of like Tom Hanks. Starting out as a comic actor, right? Being in movies like Big and uh, I don't know, Joe like, versus Volcano. One, uh, yeah, he was in Wacky Buddies. Stuff. Uh huh. But I, like now, he's taken seriously as one of the finest American actors that there is. One hundred percent. And like, I don't, see, I don't know that John Cena will do that necessarily. I think he'll still play like quirky action roles. Yeah. But they're really gonna have to mess with his look after a while. I, I agree. I. I mean, I want him to succeed. I just don't see him reaching that. Uh, the, like, like yeah. when the Rock, when the Rock first came out on uh, the Mummy Two, uh, and especially when the Scorpion King, like all the boys, we all got together to make goddamn sure we were there opening night. <laughs> like, <laughs> cool. you know, like we we were so like gung ho. We wanted the Rock to to really succeed, and but I, I'm not. I don't have that same sense when it comes to John Cena. Um, I don't know, but you're right. Uh, Slightly disingenuous. It's like, man, I, you're being really, really nice, but I, I, for something in the back of my head is telling me that you're secretly a total asshole. Like, like I, it's a, it's slightly less than that. So much that, like, I know you're here. I know you're being paid to be here. I know that you're 
performing as though you care, but I guarantee I I can I perceive that you really don't care about this. You don't care about this interview. Yeah. You don't care about this product. You know, like you can tell. Somebody was talking about Jonathan Frakes online today. Right. And they were like, that guy smiles with his eyes. There is more like genuine humor and like realness coming out of the way he portrays his smile. And like you don't see that with John Cena. Nope. And and it's funny when you That's talk it. about when you talk about Frakes, man, like uh when we did when I was doing the uh, graphics for uh, the Parallels episode, um, I almost picked the the photo of the alternate universe Borg have taken over. Hell no, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. I almost picked that of just of him, but I was like, no, it's got to be Worf. <laughs> it does have to be Worf. It's a Worf episode. It's, yeah. But, like, there is no more... Like, in that episode, really and truly, there's so many striking things, and it's like... Holy crap, like they really went to a lot of extremes in that episode, but like taking that that piece out taking the taking the wharf out of it to advertise it just wouldn't be right. You did the right thing. I, way to go. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. The only thing you know, I think the only other way to have gone would have been like to show all of the enterprises. There's eight hundred and or almost, there's two hundred and eighty five thousand enterprises in this area now. Almost used it, but no, it had to be that awesome yeah. uh, when he's in the uh, the shuttle. But yeah. uh, back to Cena, uh, Tony. What did you think about the the latest Suicide Squad uh, trailer? What do you think it hinted um, at? Armchair book. I really was. enjoyed it, man. Freaking, we got a big old. You know, we got a whole lot of. You know, a whole lot of Idris Elba on it, mm-hmm. which is always a good thing. Oh. You know, we got a little bit. We got it's to see that gold. they're gonna. Hold on to the uh, the thought process that he put a bullet in Superman. Yeah, you know, which is awesome. Freaking, I don't really know too much of a blood sport other than that. Correct. But the fact that they're doing that is freaking great. Um, you know, we got to see we got to see more of Weasel. You know, which is really cool because like they just kind of show him in the prison. In the other in the previous trailers, um, freaking got to see my wife's favorite Pete Davidson on there. She really? She's a Pete Davidson fan? Oh yeah, she uh-huh. loves Pete Davidson. I, I just, I just like the whole mule thing. It's freaking hilarious. Um, freaking, we got to see a lot of good stuff. We got to see some, a lot of stuff we didn't get to see. You know, we're seeing uh, some John Cena comic chops into play there in the one scene where he talks about the starfish. Um, freaking, <laughs> without giving the joke away. Obviously, yeah. uh, freaking, I'm a big fan of Limp Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it seems that we've got a well-defined villain, which is as much of an apologist for the original Suicide Squad movie as I am. Was the biggest <laughs> flaw in the movie was that the villain sucked. It seems that we've got a bigger, you know, a, more of a reason than just "Hey, my girlfriend got possessed, so yeah. we need the Suicide Squad," which was the issue with the first movie. This one seems to have a legit freaking villain, and it, I'm you know, really looking forward I, to it. I don't know enough. Like, I have I have some other friends who Star Starro, right? Mm-hmm. Is Starro the Conqueror? Is the is the, one of their favorite things that ever happens in the DCU? So like, it's it, it, and we were talking briefly about this before because I'm a Shumagorath fan out of. Marvel and like the I don't know if you guys saw that first Doctor Strange Lego set that it's 
it's Doctor Strange, it's uh, the Ancient One, and it's uh, Carl Mordo, and they're uh, they're dealing with Shumagorath coming out of the wall, and there's like a mechanism that makes the tentacles move and stuff. Uh, right. But like, it, he's it, that's an extra dimensional entity. Is Star, isn't Staru uh, a space creature? Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so basically in the com- in the ad that we watched, are they? Purporting that he's and that it, that the creature is some kind of a a project, or is it like do we know that it's a captured thing from space or something? Oh, they haven't actually said one way or the other if it's like mm. an invasion or if they, if Starro was already here. Um, one of the biggest things I know invasion. about Starro is that Starro was the Starro was the original reason that the Justice League came together. Nice. Oh right! Okay, they, they nice. all they all came together to fight Starro the Conqueror, and initially, so like you know he's kind of a real big, huge you know part of DC lore, but he's also at the end of the day he's a giant starfish, right. and freaking you know it's kind of it's kind of hard to portray that character with any kind of seriousness. Dude, so, if you uh, can make the one James Gunn's yeah. probably the perfect director for him. Perfect. Oh, awesome. Yes, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, it looks awesome. I, I have not watched a lot of the DC movies, uh, and I didn't watch the first Star- Suicide Squad movie. I really don't know why, but uh, this one legit looks like a good, fun movie, and I'm actually on board to check this one out. The DC movies, you have to... Like, I had to watch... I think it wasn't until the fourth time I watched Man of Steel that I realized it was genius. Uh, Man like, of Steel is genius. It, that is yeah, great. It, really good. It took me a while because I think my Marvel mind just one didn't want it, and B just mm-hmm. needed to put the work in. Once you put the work in, you're you're gonna and that's that's one of the big differences between Marvel and DC. DC, you got to put the work in. Yeah, you got to really invest yourself. You got to take the time to do a little bit of research. You got to find your guy that you you relate to because you always got to find someone you relate to, regardless. Uh, and it takes a little bit because every everyone is so nuanced. Um, the the last thing I really uh, armchair booking wise, I I was watching this and I was thinking that uh, James Gunn when he first saw the original Suicide Squad was like, man, they really fucked up Deadshot. I bet I could do better. <laughs> I bet I could do better. I know it's not Deadshot in this one, but. Um, I think this was preparing us that Idris Elba is going to be the uh, main character. And I think if anyone can pull that off, it's him. Because Luther was... I can't think of anything I've ever seen that Idris Elba ever did that was bad. uh, Or even not as up to quality as I expected it to be. Um, I love the fact that, you know, they they give that little bit of the reveal. Like, they have to wipe out any sort of semblance or anything to do with projects such and such. What was it? Star something or... Starfish. Yeah, starfish. Starfish, yeah. starfish. And then we see that girl there, so like immediately, okay, so he's got to do something to get out, help his daughter, some sort of thing like that, but the he's probably going to end up having to kill that girl, and the I think the one of the big plot devices is going to be him not doing it, or how they're going to get away with not getting killed because they don't fulfill the exact points of the mission which is why when we saw little bits of it we saw we saw the introduction of the daughter and why he's got to do it about how far he had to go to get the attention 
of the director of Suicide Squad. What's her name? Amanda Wallach. Yep. And then we see him having that quick little like "I like you" in the in in on the was a they were on a bus like in like mm-hmm. I, I think it's gonna get broken down to that. Um, I love the fact that there wasn't too much Harley because it's time for people to stop leaning on Harley when it comes to selling shit because it's just they diluted the character and made it really shitty the same way they've done with uh, Deadpool. Oh, and dude, it, I wouldn't buy any Wall Scrolls unless it had Harley Quinn on it. Yeah. Understood. That's what I need to buy wall scrolls. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That's just a word. I just, no, I get it. It's just I get the, it. the oversaturation of Harley Quinn is at least as bad as everything that ever came out surrounding Star Wars Episode One. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we used to get like beat up for even talking about Star Wars, but now you can buy Star Wars literally anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's same it it, it it bothers me on the same scale as like uh um i mean god I, it's orlando bloom there was there was this comic series called foxtrot that i used to read and then i got kind of tired of it because it's about as it's about as like hey pop culture references uh big bang theory yeah and uh you gotta have some heart behind it, it and you, people need yeah to know they you had to work in that guy had one book called uh, Orlando Bloom has ruined everything and like the cover is the two guys the nerdy kids trying to watch a hobbit movie and the rest of the the rest of the audience in the theater is all like squealing girls and like that's just basically what happened when Harley Quinn is the go-to Halloween costume I remember being in England before Suicide Squad came out and there was some girl at a pub dressed as Harley Quinn carrying a freaking bat around. And it was it was uh, August. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's as, it's as, and like, I just remember months before the most recent Star Wars prequels came out, seeing some dude in a BB-8 shirt and was like, you don't even know if it's going to be any good. Like, this could all be Jar Jar Binks. And it is. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I made that mistake. I like Jar Jar Binks. I like Jar Jar Binks a lot. You're wrong, Tony. <laughs> I, I, I actually really like Jar Jar. He didn't. He didn't bother me. Like the 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 raw deal. The guy that played him, that got handed to him, was bullshit. Yeah, like, Ahmed he, Best did not deserve the crap he got. No, like he it drove him to like contemplating suicide. And but you're he, also wrong about liking Jar Jar Binks. It's okay. It's okay. I, I, I but I just wanted to expose my own mistake. Did you guys ever see the movie Fanboys? No. I never did. I was looking forward to seeing it. It just didn't... Uh, I don't think it ever came out. It's phenomenal. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. Kidding. It's along the same wavelength as, like, a, like a Judge Apatow movie without, like, uh, Seth Rogen as the main character, or the way that Grandma's Boy was genius, but Adam Sandler wasn't the main character. It was along the same yeah. way. It was that goddamn funny. But, um... There was a there was a scene where they find out the chicks they're with are hookers and their pimp shows up to make sure they pay and it's Seth Rogen just in a quick little cameo he did two of them in it and uh, he sees that they've got Star Wars tattoos and he's like man I can't wait for the Phantom Menace to come out and he like takes his shirt off and he's got all these Star Wars tattoos <laughs> everywhere too but he takes his shirt off and he's like I just got this yesterday and it's a whole back tattoo of George R. Binks and he's like this guy's gonna be the shit. <laughs> Um, I, I, I bought yeah, a Kylo Ren, I got, I bought a Kylo Ren shirt before we went and saw, uh, Force Awakens, and the first thing I did when I got home was, uh, blow my nose in it and throw it away. 
<laughs> That's uh yeah, I I understand. Uh, yeah, I, I, I quit buying anything like it, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. For, on the, on the far side of it, I ended up really liking Kylo Ren by the third movie. He, it all swung around for me in that third movie. It, it's, it's weird how the, my allegiance is switching to DC, uh, because of the emotional vibrations that I can really get invested in things. Like, for example... Uh, mm-hmm. I went shopping with my mom uh, on day before Father's Day. We were finding some last-minute shit for my dad. We stopped at Kohl's, and I knew for sure I was going to end up like accidentally buying some shit. But it was the first time I bought a comic book shirt in years. But they had a black-on-black uh, Batman shirt. And same, yeah, you were wearing that the other night. Yeah, same mm-hmm. same thing with uh, Superman. I actually uh, picked up some because it was they were like two for twenty bucks. So I grabbed Tony some because it was Father's Day. And, uh, it was just—it was weird, like looking at the Marvel shirts and being like, "Man, fuck that!" <laughs> <laughs> if they—if they were doing anything really exciting with Marvel shirts, I might get them. I would just give me a cover, give me the cover of an issue. You know, I'm down with that. Sometimes they have phenomenal covers, and like, you give me a cover of an issue, I might—I might pay for that. Do you but still... I don't need another logo tee, and I don't need. Uh, it just you know some old Starenko, some old Jim Starenko or some old Kirby art, That'd something like that. Down with Kirby's, that, you know. Kirby be amazing. Give me or and maybe even an Alex Ross would be pretty pretty legit. It just depends on how big and ridiculous it is. 100%. We all just need Matt and Harley Quinn shirts. Uh, if it was an Alex Ross one, yeah, probably I'd be I wouldn't be abject to that. Uh, yeah, I would, I, I, have we ever seen a Jay Lee uh, any Jay Lee art on a T-shirt? I would buy a Jay Lee Inhuman T-shirt or I'd, something to that effect. I'd buy a Jack Kirby New Gods cover. That would be gnarly. Oh, that'd be badass. That'd be badass. I need a Jack Kirby freaking Mister Miracle shirt, dude. Uh, I've got we we the the shirts we do have. I do appreciate like all of us have some like low key badass like if you know it like holy shit like it's awesome like. When we were cutting promos the other day, he had his Mr. Miracle shirt on. I remember one of the the second time I met you, you were wearing your uh, "Does this letter on my forehead stand for France?" <laughs> shirt, yeah, uh, from uh, the Ultimates. And I've got mm-hmm. like, I still have my OOG uh, Deadpool shirt that actually got me laid one night. Um, <laughs> Fucking Deadpool all the time with the Deadpool people. It was 2011. I was at a I was at a Deftones no, show. That, I get that. She was probably wearing the mask too. Let's face facts. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It was. Did you have a utility belt with too many pouches? No, but I had my silver uh, high tops on though. <laughs> those, those are awesome. Were those Pumas? Those are Pumas. I still have them. Those are sick. Those are great. Never, never, never get rid of those. Oh, of course not. I wore my BKs out the other night after I went to went to go to uh, that nightclub. I was wearing my BKs. You got some British Knights? Hell yeah! Wait, I showed you my British Knights. It's crazy because they're black and white. And they come with black and white uh, laces. So I went in and I laced them zigzag black and white. So they're they they like get converse or whatever. Yeah. And I, then you're like lacing four laces at the same time. And you were sli- so, you're, so dumb. And you were tripping on you're tripping on falling down panties all night long too. <laughs> Are those BK knights? Uh, no, they're actually they're Welsh. They were actually Welsh knights. They're Welsh. <laughs> Welsh. <laughs> the cheap, Welsh knights. cheap soy base imitation British knights. All right, gotcha. <laughs> Celtic knights. 
Yeah. Uh, there was one. <laughs> no, man. We gotta get to comics, guys. Uh, we do. We gotta get to it. There was uh, one <laughs> I want to touch on real quick. I forgot. I wanted to talk about it for just a minute, but we've got Fantastic Four thirty-two through thirty-three because you just got cut up. Uh, we got Demon Days Mariko number one, which is my favorite issue from the entire like month actually. Image Made in Korea, number one. Detective Comics, number 1038. Mr. Miracle, two of six. Robin, number three. Batman, Reptilian. Venom, number 35. Planet Size X-Men, number one. Berserker, two through three. And to start it off, Teen Titans Academy, number four. Uh, okay, so did you guys ever watch a pup named Scooby-Doo? Mm-hmm. It was no. One, it was one of the best. Every episode. It was one of the best Scooby-Doos ever. <laughs> But uh, I'm starting to read this. What issue. year? What year did it come out? Oh God, I want to say like ninety. Early nineties, I think. Yeah, it was yeah. super oh, really? early. Yeah, a pup named Scooby Doo. Because um, they always thought it was red herring. That's my point. That's that's what this was completely. <laughs> that's com- this completely is a red herring. Fred, like thinking it's red. Uh, okay, so it's Fred herring. It's always Fred. <laughs> Fred's the villain. All right. Every so, time. So we've got this new little team here called the the. Uh, the Bat Pack. The Bat Pack. <laughs> and the, uh, the, the, the all-white albino kid, uh, Mexican kid with the uh, mohawk, uh, Chupacabra, uh, he's determined to solve who Red X is. And the entire issue is, like, he's a poser. He's just a fucking poser. Like, he, he went to Hot Topic and got some cool shit to, like, look cool around, but he's just his heart is in the right spot. So it's not like... You can hate on him too much, other than that he's he. he hopefully, he graduates from poser and Batman worshiper to something worthwhile. But he's determined to figure out, figure out and who Red X is, and he is accusing everyone Salem witch trials. Like it's him, obviously. They're 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 they're, <laughs> they're capturing random uh, Teen Titans and electrocuting them and getting nothing out of them. Um, he's he deter he really think it's Billy. Bastion, but he thinks he he just saw Batstin, like he, he removed a letter, and it obviously has to be him. And it's it is it was a little silly at first, but it became a pup named Scooby Doo. It was all about like it's obviously red hair. It just that like the the entire time it was a lot of fun, and I, I was really really happy that they took the time to do a whimsical issue when they are usually doing a let's try to make it as a, adult as we can, but still. A lot of kids watch the show, uh, but then a lot of people that are reading the book grew up with the Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, so we got to make sure those people are happy. This issue was the fun as hell, hilarious uh, issue here. Just make it, it's nothing really major happened, but it was just a lot of goddamn fun, and that's really all I got to wrap up about it. But it was, it was exactly red hair the entire goddamn time. Dude, it makes me wonder, like, when you're talking about, you've got this legacy of Teen Titans Go, which is a super fun show, and it was on for seasons and seasons, and, like, passing the torch to the next thing, when it's like, okay, hey, we did Power Rangers, and now we're doing, like, Power Rangers Ninja Force, and then Power Rangers Space Force, or whatever, and it's like, how you're transmuting from one series to the next and how you got to keep those old fans happy, it doesn't matter if you're just trying to sell toys. Like, But this is a comic book. It's totally different. But it's funny the way you, the way you portray that. I like, I like that idea. They, they did anyway. a good job of keeping uh, like, a lot of people happy. I've seen, I've seen T-Titans go. I've seen a few other things. It's just 
this was this it was time to have a fun it, like it, this was the like the whole like as writers you, you, you unless you're Joel Schumacher and want to do some crazy awful movie like eight millimeter where it just goes uh. down um, this like the of all the seriousness that's happened so far invaded by suicide squad uh, all, all this other things that are happening um, this was the comic relief issue like it was it was quick fun worth every panel uh, but yeah that, that's that's what I got on that but but I want to keep the funny going here because I gotta tell you the biggest laugh out loud moment I've probably had in I want to say five six years was was fan- the 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 reveal in Fantastic Four thirty three like Namor when like like oh, when, when God when, I know when Namor what a gut laugh when, when Namor his <laughs> face is is looking like how my face felt at that exact fucking moment at <laughs> <laughs> that exact oh moment oh my God but get, get us get us caught up before we get to thirty three I gotta tell you man like I'm not caught up on FF I picked these up. Because of the banner title, yeah. I'm like I haven't been reading FF, and I've been making a mistake. Well, because well, if Dan Slot has been kicking this much butt, yeah. this is absolutely worth it. I, missed, I walked I in, I one. saw, I saw uh, the banner title, and was like, "Bride of Doom." Well, <laughs> yeah. well, sign me up. Let's see what we can do with that. And like, I mean, I appreciated that Johnny was caught. Like at the beginning of issue thirty-two. You know, Johnny Storm is on the. Uh, he's basically on like a phone call with uh, Crystal, and uh, who is of course one of his ex girlfriends, Crystal the Inhuman. And uh, I really liked that her daughter Luna was depicted as having been a lot more grown up than she has been in a lot of the stuff that I've seen for a long time. And she was able to use her powers at that distance. You know, you don't have to be right in front of somebody to be able to use those powers. Maybe it's worth it if you can just see them at all. And she can see auras. And I was like, that's freaking cool. Uh, so, you know, you have that. And then, like, they're going to go to, uh, like, Victorious is in this. The the FF is going to a, uh, a, a museum opening depicting a lot of Latverian treasures and relics. And these are, of course, that's Dr. Doom's country that he runs. Victorious is responsible for keeping an eye on all of it. And it's so funny to see her in a comedic setting being herself and actually cranked up to be a little bit more pompous and arrogant as a Latverian would be, especially in her position, because I'm only familiar with her from the Doctor Doom books that we've been reading for the last couple of years, which just... just uh, inauspiciously seems to have just dried up and disappeared. Well, like, would get us to why is get us to how twenty two builds up to thirty three. Well, I'm saying like you've got all of this business where Johnny Storm's old flames are coming around or visiting, and there's all this stuff because anytime there's anytime there's anything going on with uh, Latveria, there are going to be protesters outside, and I, I appreciate that they did that, but like. Oh my God! You know you're 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 getting this whole business of how Johnny Storm is going to be getting married soon to this alien character, and that she is like scientifically and statistically supposed to be his soulmate. So I'm reading this in one issue, and I'm like, okay, Johnny, don't don't screw this up. You're doing everything you can not to screw this up. 
and then suddenly, in a moment of weakness, he hooks up with Victorious. Yeah. And I was like, man, this character sucks. Johnny Storm <laughs> sucks. He is he is never going to grow up. No. no one is ever going to write him getting to a point where he changes. He is totally static. It's infuriating. They tried like, they tried when he was uh, with Medusa. Oh god, come on. That even that is the worst idea. That's <laughs> that's even worse. You're going to be oh it never works for anybody to date somebody's sister after you already dated the previous sister. Or the older it never woman. works. And, 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 yeah, and Medusa is with Black Bolt. It is that is simple. Who who wrote that? It was a while ago. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, and it's insipid. It's despicable. <laughs> like it has no business happening at all. I rail against this. And Johnny Storm getting involved, like. He just hooks up with Victorious it, just because he's always after hot trim. That's it, and that's all. And he breaks his girlfriend's heart or his fiance's heart. She can tell at a total distance because yeah. they share a special bond. So, like, she knew it happened. Like, what, what the hell are you doing to somebody? Like, it would be crushing in my world for me to cheat on my girlfriend now. Right. Like, because it's just, it is not, it's not something I want to be in my character. It's, and none of this, but like to have a special bond with somebody where she's going to know that it happened instantly and be able to perceive the sensations. Yeah. It's terrible. It's the worst thing. Man, I mean, I get, I don't usually go with the language, but. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck Johnny Storm. I'm <laughs> sick of him as a character. This, this, um, this was pretty bad what he did because... Uh, this uh, is bad. Like, you weren't reading... Can we, can, yeah. Let's write him out and get Flash Thompson in there to be a member of the Fantastic Four with a cool power. And like, since you brought up that Flash Thompson is back inexplicably, like every time something horrible happens to that, him, somebody rewrites him into it. I want to watch a story about a guy... Who at least has a strong moral code after all the crap he pulled as a teenager. Right. Like, who gets it? Because he's got a freaking military background. If Johnny Storm had ever been a soldier, I don't think he'd be this kind of guy. I think it's and one of the, I could I don't know. I think it's one of the reasons all three of us get along so well is because all of us were like crazy back in the day and now we've all like got our shit together. We do we I can sense from We're at least sensible. Yeah, I can yeah. sense from both the gentlemen that you have a, a moral code that you, you you abide by and it's it, you're not gonna cross it like for numerous different reasons. But it, it was Man, definitely my wife would kill me. Yes. Uh, yeah your your wife wife would probably kill you. Dude I'm sorry you had your heart no messed with she'd probably it. rip your heart out. No, I've had that happen last year. It's really not that bad. It was oh, yeah. in the hospital for five days, not a big deal. The uh, but I, I'm worried that like, dude, you better not fuck up because if you do, I'm gonna be. She's gonna kill me just for being like around you when it happened. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Progressing. Let, let's get to the way, like, which is always progressing. A bad idea. The there's there is an uh, there is a secondary story at the back of issue thirty two, depicting uh, how Doctor Doom has decided to get married and he challenges Reed to Reed Richards to a sword fight uh, under conditions. There are conditions 
And uh, he essentially wins, and he's like, okay, Reed Richards, you have to be my best man. It's like, okay, I don't understand why that's a good idea. But then when you read issue 33, it makes a ton of sense because as part of showing the glowing, awesome power and austerity of Dr. Doom, he has in Latveria taken his arch rivals and made them part of his wedding party, which means that, like, legit, Dr. Doom is doing everything he can to bury the hatchet, put all this stuff aside... He even deactivates his like doomsday weapon yeah. commission. <laughs> I was I cracked up at yeah, that we're, point because we're, we're no longer doing weapons to kill the Fantastic Four. What? But, but we've been working I, on this I, for years. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're all working on this. Oh, come on, Doctor Doom, please. I, you are our Lord and Savior, and we will do what you want us. But oh man, this is what we do. And then and then he's and, and my favorite one was, wait, you want us to deactivate all of this stuff? And the, the, he's like, yes, turn it all off tonight. And he's like. Even the Armageddon, <laughs> I was like, that cracked me up. He's got a weapon called the Armageddon. I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it does. I guarantee he's going to deploy it because it's the only one he saved. Yeah, the only and one like, he saved. he's like, I'll deactivate it later. Just don't worry about that one. Get rid of all this other crap. Just I'll take care of this. He's gonna be like, just gonna be like, a I power, got the Armageddon, man, or something. Right. Sorry, I talked over you. Like a gigantic sword of some kind. And, and there was there was there was so much building to that to that gag that that joke like because Valeria's like ah but Uncle Doom's got Doomsday devices. You Doomsday don't have Doomsday weapons. devices. Like I want to go see what he's got. No, you're staying here. And then um, like it's it's Dan Slot. Like there was so many rules that were broken here. Number one, there really were. Like, the, there's a tiger in this issue that harkens back to issue number five of Fantastic <laughs> yeah. Four, and uh, all of these characters have something that they bring up about their past in this, which is totally awesome because they're gearing up to the 60th anniversary of the Fantastic Four. Right. Which this is this is how it is done, guys. Do you remember last year, 2020? How could we forget? Yeah. That. We were like, oh, we're gearing up for 2020. Hopefully they're going to do some cool Machine Man 2020, some Arno Stark 2020 stuff. And they blew it because it was nothing we could take seriously. This is throwing in humor to something that we can actually appreciate. Right. This is Marvel editing at its most appropriate. Don't forget this is Dan how Slott you being, Dan Slott being it's Dan, Dan Slott. Slott. Like, Dude, did, he did knows you, what's up. Flip to the page where he's having I, I'm getting there. No, 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 we no, got no, Wakan- no, 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 early on. This is like page one, Castle Von Doom. Oh, sure. Uh, did you notice that the waiters all look like Kang? No, no, no. You know what those waiters are? Are the earliest iteration of Doombots. Before they they looked like him. It's not necessarily that they look like Kang. This is the, like, you go back to Silver Age Marvel, this is what Doombots look like. Gotcha. Okay. So it's kind of funny. These are like Mark I Doombots, or they're probably Mark 44, and he's like sentimental about keeping that aesthetic but i appreciate you like linking to that because what the heck happened dr doom was do i where did that dr doom book go i didn't see that get finished and kang was all over it correct uh, uh I, i've got to find the last issues of that or buy it in trade no it, just did, it just didn't finish right it just didn't finish oh right. my god are you serious yes there's I'm like serious. a dr octopus from another reality yeah yeah, it just didn't. Uh, it just didn't finish correctly. Um, I gotta finish that. That's so disappointing. There was nothing. We to covered finish. the hell out of that book. Every single one. 
We, we covered oh we covered everything since Superior. Yes. Uh, and in it, what irredeemable or whatever it was, yeah. irredeemable Iron Man. And no, uh, I mean, this goes on. Let me infamous. let me just finish infamous. this up. Well, before infamous. we do, before do you want to talk about the 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 the, the uh, another rule break here? He, he to show his trust. Uh, not only you know do I think you're worthy, but I'm I'm gonna merge some carrier with Latveria, so you won't have to worry about your greatest fear of them not thinking that you're worthy here. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and take my mask off. Shows his face. Yeah. We see a glimpse of it in his uh, his wine goblet, and then we get to the Fantastic Four with another rule break here that is never going to happen again. Everyone that goes to the wedding will be forgiven for whatever misdeed you have done against Latveria or Doom. No questions asked. Just show up and don't exactly. fight. And don't fight. And everyone's like. Shit, man, well, I gotta who, who go. Who are the guests? Uh, well, well, we've got, like, the Fantastic Four, like, well, I gotta go because I did this, and I gotta do it because mm-hmm. I did this, and Johnny's like, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> like, just not... They don't got nothing on me, no. but uh, I need to go. Yeah, I gotta go. And uh, we, we get to we get to the wedding. Um, <laughs> this is so funny, man. I mean, we he even, like, has the rings delivered to them because the best man's got to take care of the ring. Obviously, like, should we bug these? And, like, no, no, we got to give him, we got we to gotta trust him. And the ring is obviously bugged and Doom is listening to everything. <laughs> yeah, he's, and, like, that's the thing is that they're there in good faith and he's, like, they're here in good faith. Deactivate the super weapons. Fucking like, me. this is this is for real. Like, this is going to go down the way I want it to go down. <laughs> Name, and like Namor and Black Panther show up. Black Panther's like, yeah, I gotta get forgiven for this shit. And <laughs> Namor's like, I control like seventy five percent of the world. Like, I just want to see what the fuck happens here. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see what the hell happens here. You take it. You take it. Take us home. Oh, but like, you know, we're 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 in the wedding. Everything's going nicely. Uh, you know. It just it and and like having just watched the crown and seeing all of these different weddings that these characters have, it's just interesting seeing this and being like, yeah, you're a figurehead, and nobody wants to be the, a figurehead ruler of Latveria more than victorious. But then she reveals the truth <laughs> to Doom at the altar, and it's got. There's a four panel, there's a splash page, right? Four panel, Victorious, the clerk, or the clergy, Black Panther, and Namor out on the right, and he is gut cackling, and ha 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 is going across all of them. Doom is glaring down, and then this is even better. You've got Reed Richards on the left turning his head and yelling at Johnny. You've got, you've got, uh, you've got, the thing slapping his forehead and saying, oh, and then Sue in the next panel going, brother, like it's perfect. And then Reed Richards, of course, reaching across with his super long arm and smacking Johnny in the back of the head in the last panel. This is artful illustration this at its wonderful. best. This is wonderful. And then Doom literally just explodes in anger. Vile and everybody's like, we got to fight. Like, this is nuts. Oh, God, dude. It's just, this was so damn good. It was hilarious. And, like, I can't wait for the next one. I just can't. <laughs> uh. 
it's just so fucking funny. Because, like, it, it was exactly like what I said earlier. Like, Namor was laughing exactly the same way I was at this. Doom, like... <laughs> yes. And, you know, we got to fight. Oh, by the way, the entire time you've been looking at this one focal point, um, it has hypnotized you in a way that you actually cannot physically fight against us. <laughs> and Yeah. So we we got some fun here. God bless Don Slot. You know he's just he's wonderful, man. And I'm, I'm I the world is better for him taking over and making things more relevant in a comic that can easily go straight down the tubes of. I want to take a second though. Please yeah, do. I mean anything. This 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 is extraordinarily relevant to us as. Um, what we're, we're starting to see a lot more uh, so the, in in the pages of this and i'm sorry to take it on a downer at the end here but in in the pages of a lot of comic books we are seeing in memoriam to Tons. lots and lots of oh, illustrators and writers and editors over the years because the original marvel bullpen is slowly uh you know they're elderly folks and they're dying one after the other but this much younger gentleman john paul leon 1972 john to, 19, leon. Or to 2021 he um he recently worked on books that we very much liked and covered and his illustrative qualities are so different than everybody else's it is a i think a true loss so if you've got a copy of anything for Marvel in uh, in what's the release date on this? I think this is the July book. This is the August book for oh, FF. But it came out last. Year. It came out like three weeks ago, I think. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like 33 is is the. Uh, I mean, it's going to show up in all of the August books. Uh, that that's the case, and I got to I just got to say I liked I liked his art in particular. Uh, no, I also, I did not know. That. Yeah, man. I mean, sometimes it's it's you know it, there it is. But then there's other things that pop up that I I'm not picking up previews necessarily, but I'm excited about the Sinister Six versus the Savage Six book because that's just going to be a load of fun. There's a huge splash page ad in the middle of this thing. The uh, and the build up to it is I really can... really really ex- exceptional. Really. Okay, yeah, I'll be I'll be going back and reading Spider-Man for that build-up and checking it out. I've just had a problem with Spider-Man for a long time, and I know you. Do. I love Spidey. It's not it's not that I don't like Spider-Man. I just want cohesive Spider-Man. My favorite meme. My favorite meme uh, in the past couple months was uh, uh, relationships don't work if you don't love yourself, then no one else can love you, and. Uh, True love comes from pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> J.K. Simmons is definitely turning into a meme character the, now. The Simpsons version of him, he's like, just like, uh, I want pictures of Spider-Man, but sir, this is a poetry. <laughs> this is a poetry magazine. Then I want poems of Spider-Man. And I want them finished before you start it. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where that. I mean, dude, this book is great. I can't wait to the next one. And I, it's like I want to go back and get the rest of the slot, the damn slot books. No, they're 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 wonderful. Tony, lead us into uh, some detective. All right, so we got Detective Ten Thirty Eight here. Um, we start out. Batman is in the sewer fighting Mister Worth, who is still mourning the loss of his daughter, 
And the whole time, you know, he, this this rich man, probably, I think he's the third richest guy in all of Gotham, who also is you know, apparently a criminal. And he just blew up the police station that only had Bruce Wayne in it because somebody, uh, you know, Paid tipped off, off all the cops to not be there. <laughs> so we got this battle in the sewer. There's a giant man and Batman, and the giant man has a bazooka. <laughs> One that doesn't need Just, to be reloaded very, very, uh, very uh, di- with difficulty. Like he just keeps popping them off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so gosh. Batman's right by one of his micro caves that's in the sewer, and inside this micro cave is Lady Clayface, who's due to the trauma of the A Day uh, attack, is um, currently stuck, looking like. The dead daughter of Mr. Worth. Miss Sarah, because she was there when she was murdered. Mm-hmm. And Huntress is trying to find everybody. And at the same time, you know, Mr. Worth is shooting off this rocket launcher. And it's destroying the, the city, basically. You know, these blocks are just being destroyed one after another. Huntress ends up saving this lady on a bike. And she, the lady's scared, and she's like, it's Gotham, that happens. And um, Lady Clayface tries to escape, because she hears all the explosions, and she realizes it's not safe. And, of course, she runs right into Mr. Worth, and then right there, she she dissolves. And, you know, kind of goes into the dirt. And so he just watches his daughter die all over again. So he ends up, they end up actually taking him to jail. And as soon as they put him in jail, he is released. Because he's that powerful. Shortest time in in custody in Gotham ever, they say. Yep. (laughs) So Batman's trying to lay low, um, hanging out at Huntress's apartment. While at the same time, we see a little bit of the, the penguin who apparently has been missing several calls from Mr. Worth, who's been wanting to do some uh, do some business together. Business. Now, at the same time, as Mr. Worth is leaving, he's approached by Hugh Vile, who works for Mayor Nakano. And as we also know, is also the, uh, the bug killer, what I'm referring to him as. Yeah, we haven't named him yet. No. Uh, but uh, he agrees to, Mr. Worth agrees to meet with him, because they have similar interest, and that interest is violence and chaos. And he wants Mr. Uh, Mr. Vile, as we can refer to him. Yeah. Is uh, has piqued Mr. Worth's interest as far as getting uh, causing this violence. This was the point where I I almost turned off because it was it mm. like. Okay, so the transition is easy if you are a casual reader and and get surprised at the end of uh, Law and Order episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, he's 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 buttering he's buttering up his toast like, hey man, like I, I want what you want, you strong, beautiful, violent man. I also like violence also and like or violence other and things that you also like. Really, you do? Well, maybe I should hire you. <laughs> like, 
that's how quick it happens in 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 two pages, maybe six panels. And uh, the, the one of the best parts about this is the gun that he pulls out against Mr. Vile's head is like a, a quarter of this guy's body. It's huge. <laughs> Let's see if we can comically large. Comically, I'm trying to get the glare off of that. There you go. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> Did uh, Rob Lightfield draw that? No, that, like that's actually a thing that kind of bothered me. Uh, I'm not sure if the artist has been instructed to copy everything that Greg Capullo does, but it is a, it's very very well crafted. Like if someone was going to be hired to uh, make a forgery of a Greg Capullo uh, drawing, and <laughs> and have it in a, in a museum while someone secretly owns it in their own private collection, it would be this gentleman. Um, gotcha. I'm wondering if they made him do it because if he can do Capullo this well, then I can't imagine how good his actual like his own style is going to be. But I, I digress. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you so hard. Ah, uh, you're good. So freaking Batman and Hunters are trying to hunt down uh, Mr. Worth, and they end up finding this reporter that gets kidnapped by Mr. Vile. She's that drunk, and right? Out. Yeah, she was the one that was at the party last issue taking all the booze, yep. and then drop the booze. <laughs> so, taking all yeah, the booze. This, entire, this entire sewer <laughs> lair is rigged with explosives, and as they're trying to um, disarm all of them in the span of a couple of seconds, we see that they explodes right in front of Mr. Worth, and Mr. Vile's just there behind him saying, Yes. <laughs> Next issue, Gotham Birds. So then we go into a little mini second story here with the penguin and Mr. Worst trying to dial him up. And we see the penguins uh, getting, you know, being followed by uh, Batgirl and Spoiler. And he's almost embarrassed because Batman doesn't even want to handle the penguins dirty work all by himself. He's sending the junior leaguers. Children and then the then the children end up stopping him, which is even worse. Then we go to the iceberg lounge real quick, and another um, former goon is decides he's going to quit and go work for the Joker. So so one after another, penguins just being just embarrassed, and he ends up killing the guy right then and there. Well, don't forget he was. Uh, we've got that reporter. The, the, he was a reporter that showed up. Like, hey, you got. I work for. Uh, let's see, who does he work for? I work for the Gotham Gazette. You got a few moments? He's like, yeah, I suppose I can answer a few questions for a member of the press. And then it just becomes a, 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 a giant burial piece where he's asking this question. So, what's it like to suck now? You know, like, what was it like to be an awesome, <laughs> awesome uh, uh, bad guy now? And then we, we get this nice transition of where uh, a couple pages where. Uh, He's humbled in his warehouse. Cops are on the way. Like, don't try to sell it. Everything's marked. Uh, they do that sad pan out where he's just, like, kind of looking down, like, aghast at what just happened to him in, in, in shame. And then he he beats this reporter to death. <laughs> like, this this bloody black Ew. mess is, is, is wonderful. And uh, he's got some uh, pieces to pick up here. Like, he, he finds the, the guy that left him for the Joker. And I'm the fucking penguin. Just murders that guy in a bar. Mm. Fuck you. <laughs> no one leaves me. I'm Oswald. 
Yep. <laughs> and then at the end, he ends up picking up Mr. Worst Call, saying, uh, what do you have in mind? What do you think? Armchair booking-wise. Well, let's see what happens with it. Friggin', we got, you know, Mr. Viles working with Mr. Worth. We got Penguin in the background. Penguin's never in the background for long. And he's kind of he's kind of pissed that he's being overlooked. So he might end up doing something crazy. I'm excited that they were able to flesh out a story without a big-time baddie uh, and pushed a lot of the people to the background, like Riddler, uh, in the previous issues. Mm. And did so well with Mr. Worth, even though no one knows who the hell he is, and established him as the actual, you know, pardon the pun, an actual heavy hitter. And now we've got Penguin wanting to really reestablish himself. Like, like I hope this sets the tone for the next 12 issues. Like, we've got detective work to do. We've got this guy to deal with. We've got um, this plague that supposedly reanimates bodies, but, like, that was, like, the Lady Clayface thing. But, like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good spice here, and none of it has sucked in the least bit. And I, I'm just, I, I, I remember turning the page and being satisfied as a Batman reader and Batman, longtime Batman fan, but at the same time, excited for, like, you know, when you realize that it's probably going to be four or five issues that the storyline is going to go on, this is going to go on for a long time. It's going to be fucking killer. Yeah, but I mean, we really ain't seen Penguin since, uh, like in a featured story since I believe when they brought in the Emperor <clears throat> Penguin character that kind of took over the Iceberg Lounge. When was that? So he's, that yeah, was, that I want to say New 52 possibly. That was, it's been a long time since Penguin has done it's shit. It's been a long time since they've had a featured Penguin story. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if they, which totally plays into the thought process behind Penguin now. And uh, he was that one and then when he was... Uh, what was the character? They did this story a couple years ago where the uh, the guy came in that would fund all the villains' uh, plans. And Penguin, it was Penguin, Catwoman, Joker, and Riddler. I can't remember what the character was that put them together, though. But, like, Penguin was a featured part in that, and that was the last... Penguin story that I completely recall that he was mm. in it all, really. Wow, I don't even remember okay. that one. Yeah. The designer. It was, he was the designer. Mm. That was the one that was was funding all their evil schemes. Hmm. I got one more Batman for you guys. And uh, either you want to do Robin next or we just keep on the Batman theme for a little bit here. But Reptilian, I'm going to do fast. Because... Uh, this one, I, I understand why you didn't like it, uh, but if you don't mind me telling, asking you, what personally rubbed you the wrong way about this issue? Well, the uh, the art was great. I love the art in it, but the uh, I hate the way they spoke. Like it just doesn't come off as genuine Batman. Just the way the uh, the, just the, way it's, just the way the words flowed in the story it was kind of like. Yeah, I don't kill, I don't kill, I don't kill. Okay. We've established that. But it was like, mm, it just didn't it didn't flow. It didn't feel like a Batman story to me. I can see your exact point on that and I can see why we differ on it uh, because uh Garth Ennis wrote this, who did Preacher mm. and um uh, Epic Run on uh, uh Hellblazer. Um 
numerous. He did some Punisher, didn't Punisher he? Max. Yeah, like the, the oh, guy. Yeah. The guy's responsible for some of the best comics we read in the past 20, 30 years. And um, I can see why it would be. I'm used to Garth Ennis. Like it's it's like it, it could have been a, a piece of shit on the cover, but the second I saw Garth Ennis, I would have I would have bought it. Even if it was a scratch or sniff turd sticker on it, I'd I'd have been all about it. Um, just <laughs> just 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 because Garth Ennis wrote it, but I, he's he's right. Um, the the intro was good, where he's uh, Batman like apparently testified against a uh, a rapist uh, bastard uh, prize fighter and shames him in public after and makes sure he can't fight ever again. It was some, it was definitely a deviance from what Batman would ever would do. Uh, I was just enjoying the... I, I feel like this little tete-a-tete going on here was kind of a personal vendetta that Garth Ennis might have on uh, Mike Tyson? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, mm. or, or someone in the sports world that I don't know about. But, yeah, the artwork was masterful. This, is, this was gorgeous. Like, it, it, like, it took me 30 minutes to read this because I just kept staring at stuff. Um... It, it flowed really well, but it was... I liked the danger that presented with uh, Batman. Uh, he says it uh, in the middle, and then he, it's a quote at the end. Uh, I'm far worse than that uh, multicolored rabble. I will not let you die, which is worse. And we, we don't know what's going on here. We know that something reptilian is coming and that... Uh, the last big meeting of the bad guys, uh, something took over pheromone-wise. Like, they described it the way that people uh, describe meeting Dakin when he controls pheromones. Mm. Like, they're, they're all mm-hmm. hardened killers, and they all showed up ready to kill, and all of a sudden the the feeling stopped, and uh, everyone that went there, the henchmen-wise, got sick afterwards, like, like violently ill, like vomiting, um, not with no pretense why. And they're building yeah. towards a, a guy that is really wanting to punish the bad guys. Um, that's really all I got on that one, other than just, you gotta, if anything, make sure you get this just for the artwork. Every little bit is great. Um, but I appreciate you sharing that with me, man, because I, I, I thought you were going to be all about this, but uh, it was actually uh, more satisfying that you weren't. <clears throat> yeah, I thought I'd be into it, too. It just wasn't, like I said, it was all right, but it wasn't. Like I said, it just, it just took me out of it, just uh, the way it was written. Take us home from the Batverse with Robin. <clears throat> All right. So we got Robin here. He's uh, on this, on Lazarus Island, if I remember correctly. And Ravager took him to this party. And the whole reason she took him to this party is to try to get him to relax and realize not everything's about, you know, a fight. And he's like, you know, hey, she's like, hey, your your homework assignment today is just to make a friend. And he's like, really? I mean, that's this, this is dumb. You know, he just she just wants him to relax and realize there's more to life than being than the fight than being Robin, you know. And for she points out that he reads manga. And then uh, Flatline overhears it, and she's like, you read manga? Come on. And, like, everyone's just kind of like, you know, you're too serious. Why are you even here? And, like, you're, you're not cool. And he just takes a bunch of these throwing knives from somebody, throws them in the air, slams his hand down on this table, 
and freaking all the knives come down and they all miss his hand and everyone just kind of loses their mind like oh my god this is crazy and Colin, uh, to put it perspective, is uh, aliens when Bishop when Bishop mm-hmm. uh, does the knife thing. Imagine if totally. he, imagine if he just blindly threw the knives up and they all fell perfectly in between Paxton's fingers. That's that's the trick. It, it, it reminds me of like a like the the vibe I'm getting here. It reminds me of like a high school party before uh, we could drink. When you had to actually make friends based on your own merit, <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and th- that's that's what's going on here. But it, it quickly devolves into a uh, who's more hardcore in terms of how badly we got our ass beat by Batman. Yeah, and then it ends up being the whole thing is that you know, turning it, everyone turns into Batman stories of how Batman kicked my ass here, Batman kicked my ass Batman. here. And oh my he, god, that's funny. Yeah, uh, and he ends up walking into this almost a like religious area away from the party itself. And he ends up running into Connor Hawk, who last issue Ravager pointed out was probably going to be his greatest rival in this tournament. And they, they start, you know, Robin's ready to fight. And he's like, I'm just trying to, like, Connor's like, I'm just trying to relax. And they end up going off and end up just kind of talking to each other. And they end up going off on their dads, which is amazing. Because they're just like, you know, hey, your, uh, you know, your dad's got, you know, he's got a cool vehicle. Yeah, he used to. Oh, your, your dad's got a cave. Yeah, he had one of those too. Oh, he's rich. He's rich. Resurrected, resurrected. Yeah, no big deal. And then like Connor Hawk is just like, my dad's got a thing about fishnets. <laughs> and like, there's this dramatic pause, and it's like, my dad, my for my dad, it's uh, it's whips and leather. And he's like, lots of leather. Lots of leather. Yeah, lots of leather. They, yeah, and they just they just start laughing. They just this. What do you say to that? I mean, here you go, talking about our dad's fetishes. That's dude. That's that not makes me think all. of that Grant Morrison book that we've always gone back and talked about. The one with the Wolverine and uh, Sabretooth at the toilet. Like that's just. It's just yeah. That just makes me think of those guys. Just people who have. No other typical reason to be visiting with one another, and they find that mutual understanding. Don't forget Wolvie and Spidey. Redheads. Fist bump. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, you, you, crack, you cracked me up when you said, you know, Batman whooped my ass. Did you ever, did you guys ever hear uh, Wesley Willis? Uh-uh. No. Uh, he was a homeless man in Chicago in the 90s he would not shake your hand he would headbutt you so the pictures of this guy he was uh an african-american man who had a big black circle in the middle of his forehead from banging his head into people and um he got popular on the internet before youtube before soundcloud before facebook maybe before live journal before you could file share very easily without Napster or something, we used to download his music, and it was all these little four-track, <laughs> just like little MIDI songs. And then he'd come in and be like, Batman whoop my ass. You just got to look this crap up. You're never going to believe. Awesome. Like, this guy made money off of this that... I don't know that it necessarily took him off the streets, but he has a very interesting Wikipedia page, and uh, his music is out there. He had a song about Batman 
about how Batman was a jerk to him, so he whooped Batman's ass, and uh, it's good stuff. Wesley Willis, look it up. That's awesome. I just have to. Yeah, we need to review it sometime. (laughs) (laughs) But nonetheless, they start laughing, and then the uh, the League of Shadows shows up, and we find out that at one point they were um, that uh, Robin trained with them. And he was just like, you know, that was better than you guys, and I walked away. <laughs> and then they basically tell they tell Connor, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be one of us, you're gonna have to fight him, you know, even if you gotta break the rules, because the whole rule is that you can't fight after dark. So they end up they end up squabbing a little bit, you know, and Connor Huck actually gets the advantage over Damien, and ends up throwing him over this cliff. The whole issue being is that we know you're not going to die from this, but you're going to be in a hell of a lot of pain And he, as Connor throws him off. And all he can yell is, you know, he, Robin wakes up, Damien wakes up, and he's like, Father Pennyworth, I... And somebody saves him from, you know, crashing into the water. And he ends up waking up the next morning in this tent... And turns out that the person that saved him is actually his grandfather, Rachel Ghoul, back from the dead again. Mm. I didn't and he see that. We finally reunited, and I have much to teach you. Grandfather. Mm. Yep. I got a kick out of it. It was a good fun read. Yeah, it was good. It's like I said, especially the part about. You know, Robin and Connor Hawk talking about their dads and their fetishes. Because, <laughs> like, what else would teen- like, what else would teenage boys of superheroes talk about? Yeah, the, yeah, uh, totally. It it it's perfect for Venom. Uh, the latest issue of Venom, uh, number thirty-five. Uh, I believe this is the legacy number for this is two hundred. Um, this was a passing of the torch. Uh, Brock is now in control of all the symbiotes. He's in eight million places at once. He's constantly cool. he's constantly controlling symbiotes that allow him into their mind to help quell uprisings on this planet. Uh, re, you know, help free some people here and this planet. All symbiote based. He's in. He's talking to Spidey, and uh, at, at, at they have lunch together, and. Um, He's talking to Spidey while dealing, cool. with, while dealing with an uprising in a different dimension, not different dimension, different uh, planet, and dealing with the Avengers at the same time. And it's he's aged probably thirty years uh, simply from the amount of stress it's put on his body doing all of this at once. And uh, Dylan is having a lot of trouble at school. Everyone knows who he is, son of Brock, and. He eventually comes to a point where he has to defend himself, and the the venom the venom symbiote follows him. Uh, he the venom symbiote is the only one that Brock cannot control or hear anymore. And mm. well, he can hear him in a sense, but like in no way can he control him the way he can the other ones if he wants to. Now, uh, Eddie, um, sorry, not Eddie. Um, Dylan gets into trouble. The villains, the venom symbiote takes over him. Uh, Helps him save the day. They beef up the costume. He's got chains. <laughs> like, like it was. There, there was a uh, one of the. That'll one do of, it. One of the. Add one those of, chains, one guys. Of the, one of the kids picking on him at school was named McFarlane. Um, 
obviously an accident. And it was just passing yeah. the torch. Uh, Dylan is now the new Venom. And this is what we're dealing with, that Brock can control this from here and there, and it was a good transitional issue. A uh, lot of great art, uh, nothing I can really complain about, but it definitely was a really good uh, issue 200 of like or a milestone issue. I, I believe this is the last issue that Cates is doing. Donnie Cates is doing now. Uh, I think mm. he's, done, he's done with Venom. He's probably going to wind up with Thor because he's doing... I think I think he's got like a movie thing coming up if I remember correctly, but I can't remember. Um, that's all I got on Venom because uh, I want to speed through a couple ones because uh, Berserker uh, two through three they're getting more and more into the the Kenner Reeves comic book, getting more and more into the history of uh, how he was born from a prayer from his uh, hunter gather hunter gatherer family because they keep getting raided every season and he they pray for a and do a mystical r ritual to bring something to help them from the gods, and he's born within, uh, he's conceived from the god, from a god, I mean, they actually show it, um, it's really cool, the artwork was really brutal, um, he learns his place as a, pretty much a tool, and he's not liking it, and he's trying to remember something, because he wants peace, but don't forget, this is Keanu Reeves' comic book, so he's the one, <laughs> Uh, the chosen one, in some sense, um, has mystical powers that, of course, you know, trump everyone else. Uh, Neo, all the other good stuff. <clears throat> I, I thought it was gonna suck. It was a good read. It, it, it. If you like gratuitous violence and being the chosen one, this is the comic book for you. And uh, to wrap it up for my list here, uh, Planet Size X Men number one. Now, everything that's been going on at the, at the Hellfire Gala has been uh, political. They're showing their, they're, showing their, they're showing their nuts. They're not showing their hand. They're showing their nuts. And they're showing their wealth. They're showing why you need us. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the issues ended with the fireworks going off. But they wouldn't show you what the fireworks were. And what this issue is, is that uh, at the end of the last big X story arc, when... The, the Nimrod issue that we covered. We've, oh, yeah. Nimrod is going to happen, and Morgan Retaggart has established that there is no future of the mutant race on Earth that does not involve us, them, well, I, I always consider myself one of them, sorry, um, big reveal there, um, that doesn't in, in, end in annihilation. So they're being... This issue was their Bruce Lee issue, Be Like Water. So we're going to get annihilated on mm. Earth? Okay, fuck it. It starts out with Magneto uh, going from Forge to all the big thinkers. They figure out they need a chunk of iron this big and find an asteroid of one and basically jam it right in the middle of Mars. Get the core going. To start to get the core going to add the, the, the magnetism needed to hold an atmosphere. They get one of the Araco mutants, which is the sister uh, continent to uh, Krakoa, uh, mm -hmm. who is causing more and more trouble because they're warlike and they, they insist on doing things a certain way and they're becoming a major problem on Earth because um, they can't handle them. Like the, the X-Men simply cannot stop these people from doing their, what their tribal culture has told them they need to do. They get a couple of guys there to uh, establish water. They flood. They flood Mars. 
they bring another guy in from Morocco to bring uh, microbes and flora and fauna. And then they bring Storm in, and she brings in the atmosphere. So the big reveal at the, at the, the fireworks where everyone is telepathically uh, linked is that they have revealed that Mars is ours, bitch. <laughs> it's, it, they have, they've established Mars as uh, a Rocco, uh, brought the problem uh, island there. And not only that, um, y'all can't come here. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's a big like, okay, you don't want us here, we can go there. Uh, Krakow is obviously uh, going to be established to stay on Earth because that's you know home world in in general, but the way it came off was just so hubristical, man. It, but at the same time, like we're going to be like water. Hey, you don't like us here? We'll just go get our own planet. But it's gonna cause it's gonna cause a major issue. Um, I'm trying to bring this up here. Where are you? Where are you? Because the very in, the very last page that ends in the dossiers of all the humans that were involved. Like, yeah, it uh, looks like they just colonized Mars, turned it into an actual uh, inhabitable planet. And it ends with just the just four sentences. Arako is the first mutant world. Attempt no landing except at Port Prometheus. So you can get there, but you can only get to Port Prometheus. Each mutant, Kid Omega, they all added their own thing. We need this. There's, there's a port here that you have to go through before you're allowed on the planet. Second off, there is a, uh, like, a, basically, uh, like, you know how Mumra had all the ancient spirits of evil around the mm -hmm. cauldron? Imagine if it was giant, Ooh, yeah. like, it was, it was, it was three, four hundred times bigger than a, a football stadium, and it's statues of, like, mutant heroes that all unite in the middle, and no battle is That's allowed cool. here, and this is where, if you're going to come and discuss anything diplomatic, it's here, and no no warring will be done here. So, Arako is the first mutant world. Attempt no landing except at Port Prometheus. Arako is the capital of the solar system. Hold fast for a message from the region of Seoul. Like, okay. <laughs> just, they just put a... Like, like, you know, the United States going up to the moon and putting one, one flag. Well, this is ours now. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun, but it's going to cause some serious problems. The, the dossiers from NASA were extremely comprehensive about hinting about the problems that are going to happen from it, but it makes no sense. Hey, like, it's like if you're being bullied by someone and, like, hey, we don't want you here. Okay, great, we're going to go form our own place. You know, we're gonna we're gonna make our own goth club, and we're gonna listen to the music we want to listen to. But then those assholes start showing up at your place, like causing problems. Um, we we've got all that going on. Don't forget the Nimrod thing. And uh, but it's, it's finally given me some sort of peace after uh, uh, Powers of Ten and House of X. Um, that you know everything was doomed. It's been really hard to enjoy that with that in the back of my head. That everything's doomed and and this story is over before it began so this is this is a lot of alleviation uh, in regards to my uh ability to enjoy it or, or to not hold my breath because something's gonna happen you know um we've got a safe spot here it's not just going up to the summers's house on the on the dark side of the moon it's uh this is our we're, we're this is our home until kid omega blows it up yeah yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Kiddo Man, uh, I'm halfway through designing the uh, Minefield Was Right shirt. Nice. <laughs> I picked up his first appearance like two weeks ago. 
what issue was that? A was that New X Men? New X Men, I believe, one thirty four. So. Are you talking about Magneto? No, Kid Omega. Kid Omega's first appearance. So that that sounds about right. One thirty four ish. Yeah. Is that wow. when he took over? It kind of it, it, it's during the riot at Xavier's uh, storyline. One thirty-four. I just want to. I just need to see the cover because we researched that for like. It's a, G, it's a Jean Grey one. Jean Grey's on the cover. Yep. We researched New X Men for about a month before we did the first issue of Minefields. The first right. Yeah, we knew that 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 that's the that was the heavy duty material that we were really focused on yep. initially. Nice. Well, that, that's that's all I got on that one, guys. It was a it was a Bruce Lee be like water, and then the response of how everyone's gonna try to fuck it up. <laughs> Omega was right. Minefields was right. Minefields. We need a secret handshake, America. America. Minefields, Minefields, America. Minefieldians. I'm gonna sneeze. Oh. I meant we were right. Oh, oh excuse me. Mm. Let's get a... What, <clears throat> you guys' <throat> choice next. Who wants to go next? We got we got Mariko to do, we got Made in Korea, we got Mr. Miracle. Who's up first? Let's go with Mariko then. Okay. Yeah, this is interesting. I ended up with a variant cover. It's, I, don't, I don't think that there are... I, I, I don't know why... These are so available where I've been shopping. Usually I go pick up my pulls on the stuff I'm reading consistently all the way back home or uh, in my hometown. But then when I can't make it there, I'll go to one of any number of a handful of other stores and uh, in my in my town. And uh, so I picked this up uh, the other day and it's just so different. It's so different. Uh, this is called Demon Days Mariko, the Ishida Saga Part 1. Uh, and that also goes along with the Demon Days Cursed Web coming in September, which is, I guess, a completely different story. Correct. But uh, this is just its a totally different artwork than, we're typ- than we have seen typically. Uh, it says there's an English adaptation and dialogue credit with, for Zach Davison. Um, <clears throat> the art is all and the art and the story is all by Peach Momoko so it's it's a total departure from anything that you guys have seen in a while any but any of our any of our readers and listeners especially uh, especially just using Mariko as, as the name like how is this not Wolverine's betrothed um, yeah I had that was my initial wonder I mean it's still Clan Yoshida so correct you know, uh, somehow or another, when when you've got uh, because one of the characters in this story is the Black Widow, and she's keeping an eye on little Mariko, who's a who is a child in this, who is suffering from traumatic uh, uh, memories that are bubbling to the surface, and she talks to her very cartoony grandmother, who turns out not to be a grandmother but a caretaker. And uh, uh, and she's concerned of and uh, yeah, like I'm not kidding. Her, her grandmother is really cartoonally drawn. Yeah, like, the, it's the, just, she's, 
hardly realistic. She's that. The way they illustrate her is if you're reading uh, any sort of really good manga and like all of the main characters are like heavily detailed, and all of a sudden there's mm-hmm. a scene where someone gets excited and they puff their cheeks out and their eyes get really slit and like the the artwork all of a sudden becomes really really base. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what they did with the with with the with the grandmother or mother that, that's going on here, as opposed to like how yeah. well illustrated. Um, the caretaker, the 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 maid is, or the nanny. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's Black Widow. Did you notice some of these backgrounds? Also, they're very like brushstroke artwork, and 100%. there's a lot of really unusual shading going on. And this is this is a hundred percent digital, and I can see how they learning more and more about uh, me doing digital art on my own. You can res- mm-hmm. you can copy physical watercolors and oils really well, but it, you got to work at it. But then you yeah. get to points like where she's like looking up at mother, who is an oni, who might be an oni, a demon uh, of, of mm-hmm. the forest, and you see the textures in the background, and it looks like crayons on it looks like crayons on on uh, construction paper. That is a hundred percent digital. Like they take the that you're able to uh, mimic that sort of texture. Like the, this this artist had a lot of fun and took a lot of care in every square inch of what's going on here, and still uh, enjoyed uh, Japanese like manga culture in the first place. Like yeah, they, like we're talking about the grandmother, but it's it, it it wasn't disjointing like it did it, at any point here did you stop and, and was like what the hell's going on here or, or did you just get lost oh in yeah <clears throat> the first like three five pages i'm i'm reading this and i'm going i i can't understand what's happening here like there's nothing co- there's nothing it, it's a failing on my part as a reader of western formula so in looking at this and it's all dreams for a second and then it's something that's happening at school. And I'm like, a second ago she was an adult in her dreams. Or maybe she wasn't, but she was at least depicted as such. And then we're off seeing something else. And I'm like, okay, so now we're a kid or are we a teenager? I don't really know. There are some things. It's just, it's it's not it's not easy to figure out what's happening here. It takes a good... You have to have the Black Widow in this but before, before, to know what the hell is going on. I, I agree. Before we get to that, we got to talk about the disjointedness here because mm-hmm. it, it, we're immediately upset or, or, or our sensibilities are upset. Like where, where you're talking about uh, in one sense of how you're disjointed, uh, immediately I'm offended that like what, it, what, what have I not, not read about Wolverine that I'm missing here? About Mariko, I thought she was dead. They brought oh, her back yeah. briefly as a clone um, when there, that drug was going on that was souping up old man Logan. Um, what have I missed? Am I am I a bad Wolverine fan? So it fucked me up that way. And also of uh, being a big fan of Japanese culture for years, a lot of these words are familiar. Uh, like I feel I need to be on a Wikipedia page looking up every uh, random uh, non-Gaijin word that keeps coming up. Uh, uh, like I'm missing a, a, a pertinent clue about what's going on here, and how is this happening right now? And it, but it's a Marvel comic book, and then another thing, like, is this just a, a Japanese comic based on something that was done for Marvel that they just recently brought in the way they did with like a bunch of French comics back in like I want to say like 2008, like when they did Skydoll and um, 
Mm. It, 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 it really disjointed me. I read it twice, but I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it every single time. Uh, it, the more you read it, the, the more things were revealed to you. You just had to, like halfway through the issue, I just had to let go. Uh, and just enjoy it for what it was. Sure, I get that. And uh, and I, I wanted to talk about that before we got to Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Help me out here. What about Black Widow being yeah, there? Yeah. There's no there's no precedent set that says that that I mean okay when you go back to Black Widow as a character because I don't know if they're following an original chronology concept or if they're just. If this is if this Mariko has nothing to do with the Mariko that was in Wolverine and X Men comics, so um, any of it. I mean, I can't imagine not. If you go back and you look at the original story set around the Black Widow, she uh, is introduced in Iron Man comics alongside uh, Hawkeye, and she is a Soviet agent. She's not a former Soviet agent yet. That takes a minute. Like, Iron Man was ex- specifically responsible for turning more characters away from the Soviet cause and making them some kind of an ally in the U.S. than any other character. It just seemed to be a recurring motif in that book. So, but she's a child of World War II at that point. Correct. And whatever she she may have been on a Soviet version of the Infinity Formula, or a Super Soldier Serum, or whatever, and making her as old as Captain America, uh, but with a or or Nick Fury for that matter. And that being the case, she this this could be Black Widow operating as a free agent, paid or whatever. Look, uh, for the villain in this story for a decade or something if we're saying that this is a legit young Mariko story. Right. But if that's the case, then, you know, some crazy stuff gets pulled into the uh, the main continuity that we don't know anything about. And I can appreciate that because if we've got a world of Marvel Comics where we have, like, freaking demons and Demo Goblin and and uh, uh, Inferno happening, and Blade the Vampire Hunter, and Dracula, and, and you know all of this stuff. Then there's no reason why these these Japanese demons couldn't coexist. And it's fascinating to think that there's got to be some people trying to keep that from getting out into the world at large, because the villains in this are evil spirits. I you appreciate know? your appreciation of this because. Uh, letting go. I see the potential. Uh, I, I see the potential. Like in, in my mind, bring up Bruce Lee again. This is a soft hand with a two-inch punch. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the story has a lot of like oomph to it. Like, but at the same time, as you're getting there, everything is soft. There's like like you look at the food that she's eating. I, I don't know what they're eating, but it looks delicious to me. But the, the the way the steam mm-hmm. is coming off of it, uh, like you, they're they're not in these rooms that have like heavy angles that make things look industrial or cement like if you're looking at a, no, a yeah. building like in Russia like dreamscapes the whole time precisely and, and and I really just I'm so happy I was able to let go so fast in this book I mean like because it was like it, all of my sensibilities was trying to find something I recognized and and uh, a lot good of good point yeah they, thank I, you. I was fighting for that thank you 
But the second I stopped looking for it, the second I realized mm. I needed to shut the fuck up and let the storyteller do the goddamn storytelling. And that's... Wow. Um, we, we, need, we need to put that on a shirt that a bunch of nerds are going to appreciate and only five people will buy. <laughs> um, is that you really got to shut the fuck up and let the storyteller do the storytelling sometime and really let go and enjoy what's happening here. And every little bit of this made me happy. I'm so glad I took the chance on it. Uh, I, um, we went on the hunt on uh, Saturday, and this is one of the books I randomly grabbed. And I was like, no, i got to have this. Got it. Like, there's something... There was, oh well, this is right up your alley. Yeah, there was like there was just the cover like like I get that feeling. Uh, something about this book says get me. Unlike <laughs> yeah. unlike that feeling I got when I got the new issue of Lady Death because she's totally doing it and we see some titties. Um, completely wrong thing there, but but you get you get the sense here like that this was this was literature to me like the way they brought in the Black Widow it had to be the Black Widow. It's totally the Black Widow. I mean, they call her specifically by that no, no, that I, name. No, I'm saying the, I'm saying the person that needed to fulfill the role in the story that's being told. The only person oh, I get in it. the Marvel universe, it had to be the Black Widow. Letting go. I mean, there's no other recognizable character that could. I'm gonna I'm gonna go so far as to bring up something else. And anyone, please, please educate me and us minefielders on whether or not I've got this concept understood. I said it earlier. My Western formula sensibility was struggling to understand how this was being told. Years ago, about 2004... I got online and I found a killer trailer for a movie. It was a QuickTime trailer for Casserne the Robot Hunter. And it was this epic three-hour movie that I expected to have a lot more fighting between a guy named Casserne and robots. But uh, I also expected things to make sense. Because at the beginning of the movie, there's this statue that's so tall, it is beyond the cloud level. And it gets struck by lightning, and the lightning that the, the statue is holding breaks off and jams into the earth. And I thought, oh, that's like a touch of God, like zapping the ground and bringing these things to life, and that makes sense to me. And then at the end of the story, that turns out not to be the case at all. So everything that made any sense didn't suddenly make any sense and i was just like how do you just explain that away without explaining anything how do you just let that go and i'm like this is japanese culture not everything necessarily makes sense it is it, just it is. exists you know you don't have a tale but then even at the end of the book here if you're trying to understand some of the wacky things that are happening here there are yokai files and they're talking about japanese folklore characters and it, it's just like here's a depiction of one and here's a, here's a little thing about it a little blurb about it and does this have anything to do with the book it, it has not to. so far it, it you would to. think it, you would think it, but it, maybe it's just like it's a trading card for it, more oni characters no no this is this is i've I, like they're probably going to pepper each one of these issues with like the way that if you read scary stories it's telling the dark you get a scary story but then you get the back the annotated notes and why mm -hmm. this story came to be where they got it from 
Um, I, I think this is kind of the cipher. We're, we're getting a little tiny hint of a cipher. They're not giving us... They give us clues, but then they only give us, like, two letters of a 56-letter uh, alphabet we don't know yet. And we just got two clues for that. And... Take I mean, which, it's take, not Fight Club 3 that was inscrutable. Yeah, you know exactly. But at least we got a bit of a cipher going on. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I especially love the fact that I did not, at the end of the book, uh, not to give it away, but I did not feel that the bad guys, like our Western culture sensibility is going to say, there's got to be a bad guy. Um, um, I think that sensibility... Is something are they bad guys just because they're evil spirits? No, we we got to throw that idea out the out the out the window uh, to enjoy the comic and really take home what they're trying to present as, as literature. Um, these guys might not be bad guys. I guess the thing that took me out of it in that moment is on the last page, you got a character that looks completely bored. Like there's always characters in Japanese stuff that are sitting there looking bored as fuck, even though a planet <laughs> is falling apart all around them and Correct. they're just so dead inside i've seen so much and i'm not even sweating and i'm just dead-eyed expressions we get this character that's sitting on some kind of throne in a shack in the middle of nowhere wearing all white but with blood on them and stuff like that and they're just sitting there you know passively blah 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 and suddenly it's just like snap to it everyone put on your game face let's get ready to party with the or let's get ready to welcome the lady mariko and i'm like it's a manga. Just, uh, it's manga. And, yeah. It's, you just have I, I, I'm just like, there's a reason why I don't go for this generally, and it's because I don't see character. Like, are you being facetious? Are they being sarcastic? Are they? What are they doing when you've got that bored character? And there's always a crazy character too. There's a character that's been completely unhinged by everything, the and they're like making yeah. these expressions the whole time, yeah. like that kind of stuff. That there are tropes in manga that reoccur and you know i mean at least this gives us some stuff i, I agree and i just say give it a chance uh, i do have to preface the oh fact, we'll give it a chance I, I do have to preface the fact that one of the reasons i've been really enjoying i really enjoyed this book was because i've been reading the dog shit out of uh shonen jump like there's there's <laughs> there's hundreds yeah. of free titles on there that just come out every month every week um just 10, 10 pages, whatever. It just uh, I, I finally f have that feeling I got when I was reading the Shonen Jump that was getting reprinted in the states back in the early two thousands. I finally like feel like I'm not like late to the party or like I'm I'm enjoying it and I, I'm remembering the tropes you're talking about. But they they come mm -hmm. off different when you've experienced them a, a bunch of times here. But it, you do have to recognize that if you were going to put all the American Western tropes into a pile. And the Japanese ones, uh, the oh, Japanese man. ones is going to be like infinitely taller. That's a stack, isn't it? Yeah, In infinitely taller. The way that you were talking about uh, when before we did the uh, parallels <clears throat> issue uh, was mm -hmm. how the German uh, language has so much more words for uh, emotional yeah, very... situations. We, we yeah, I feel like we've got a lot of like uh, the English language. It's it, it's for like it's just like there's a word for everything in German it seems like or there's a there's a word for every conceivable kind of snow when you're speaking in the Inuit language or uh, as I understand it in Russian for every conceivable way you can talk about uh, having sex there is a different word for that right 
and you don't involve anybody's mother unless you want a tooth knocked out. Like that's that's a whole other deal. Nice. But um, there you have it. I mean, yeah, what's going on in Japanese culture? I always remember the the meme before there were memes, and there's a there's like some character dancing with this guy making this ridiculous expression, and he's like, ah, like sucking his lips into his mouth, and it says, Japan. Responsible for seventy-eight percent of the world's weird shit since nineteen forty-eight. Yep, it's like I love it. <laughs> no diss to this book. I'm, I want to see where it goes. I've always been a fan of the Black Widow. I don't care if this is the Black Widow in continuity. Uh, I want to know what's going on with this, and I want to see if it actually ties in to any existing material, or if it's just its own thing. We will find out. Let's uh, let's leave Made in Korea for next week because I wanna I want to uh, I want to talk about it with another image comic book which is talking about Mexican immigrants. We can go to Ted on that one. Hmm. Uh, okay, because I think I've got some material that would ride with that story. Uh, then as well, it's a it's a mountain of paper to get through though. Uh, I will say that the book that we're talking about, Made in Korea is uh, one of six and came out in May, or it's a May release anyways. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, Minefielders, if it's something you, without me reviewing it, I'm going to say, run out and read this thing and see if it does anything for you, and then maybe you can follow along and comment on us, comment on it while we're or, uh, while we're in the midst of it. Yeah, because I, I need to read issue two, and I, I'm pretty sure issue three is coming out next week. It's called Home. And uh, I briefly touched on it a while back, and I just, it took me a while to figure out what I needed to think about it. But I want to I want to touch about it with from what you told me so far of what you've got for Made in Korea. They'll perfectly go along. Mm-hmm. But let's uh, let's go home with uh, Mr. Miracle. That is not one of my books. <laughs> I is, did not read that one. <laughs> that is not one of Tony. So. <laughs> Mr. Miracle, sir. Mr. Miracle. We Mr. want Mr. Miracle. We want Mr. Need. We want Mr. Miracle, but if uh, if we need to go home All you all you had to do was slap your desk and say Tree of Kent, seventeen seventy six. Uh <laughs> the, nah. you know Playing with the cat. Thirty six ounces. Just anything. <laughs> All right, we got Mr. Miracle, Source of Freedom, two of six. Never Free is battling with Mr. Miracle, talking about how she is going to avenge the fact that he stole the technology from her parents. Mr. Miracle, Scott Free, and Big Barda. Um, The interplay between um, Mr. Miracle and the Mother Box is actually pretty entertaining because, yeah, during the battle we get some... uh, he he gets his part of his costume destroyed, and he's very self-conscious about it because the former uh, Mr. Miracle, Thaddeus Brown, was white and he's black, and he doesn't. He's not sure how people will take to a, a black Mr. Miracle, basically. Goddamn racist. Well, not necessarily. But we got, you know, he, he's just, it's more of a self-conscious thing than anything else. And uh, Never Free ends up summoning these creatures that she calls the Core. 
to destroy Mr. Miracle, and he ends up teleporting away at the absolute last second, thanks to the Mother Box, as far away as he can, and Mother Box ends up taking him to Australia, which is where he realizes that his uh, costume was destroyed, and a security camera happened to catch an, uh, an image of him. Just enough and of his, his face. Just enough of his face, and his agent is taking is fielding reports from from the reporters trying to find out more about the whereabouts of mr miracle while at the same time denise the uh lady he took out last issue is trying to get a hold uh get a hold of the same agent to find out what happened to him you know and he, like i said he's in he's in australia right now but Never free, and the core are hot on his trail, and he ends up teleporting in to his agent's office, trying to figure out what his next step is. You know, and like I said, everything's already come out, and you know, we we go through a one page where it's everybody's opinion on the situation. You know, we got some people that don't care, some people that are talking, you know, talking about oh, he stole his magic act from the previous Mr. Miracle, even though we find, we eventually find out that uh, Scott and Barda aren't of this world. And it's just, uh, they end up going to this house in Hollywood that Thaddeus Brown, the previous Mr. Miracle, had owned. Because every now and again, he needed a break. Mm-hmm. And his agent ends up taking him down there and we find uh, Thaddeus's ashes, because while Thaddeus was buried, his ashes were not. Oh. And they're trying to, you know, they, and he had no idea that Thaddeus was cremated in the first place. And then Denise finally gets a hold of it, of uh, Shiloh, Mister Miracle, and you know he he apologizes for being a jerk. And not really listening to her, and you know, she she accepts it. But right then, the uh, the core show up, and a battle happens inside Thaddeus's house, and they go to teleport away, and um, the urn does not teleport with him, and we're not really sure why. But the mother box is reading the urn. And we find out that the energy is something that the mother box has never dealt with before. The mother and box is funny le- in this in this issue, especially when he's like, "You show my face," and he goes, "Just going for your own structural integrity. If you want me to concentrate on <laughs> on preserving your identity, all right, fine." It, it's funny the way it communicates with him. It's so literal. And then the power level ends up increasing by a rate of a thousand percent per second. And the last thing we see is him touching the urn. And he's like, this is your last chance. Let's stop this and talk. Or else you'll learn the true power of Mr. Miracle. The breakdowns, the artwork in this one was phenomenal. Like, uh, I was reading the latest issue of Justice League. And they really challenged the bounds of how to establish how a page is going to be laid out. But the way it happened in this, like the we're just assaulted by color, by color and technology mm. it was wonderful. 
but and it wasn't but it wasn't too much it wasn't too much that like you, you got turned off or you didn't know where to look but it uh I, I didn't finish the last like three pages as well i was reading uh today at work and uh i got rudely interrupted by a customer no, i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> trying to finish up and uh it's what was that the was that the final bit of the ending yep it, I'm glad we did the promo wearing the Mr. Miracle shirt. Like it's one of those things. Like you, you got to establish some bit of alphaness, and you don't just show up in a Mr. Miracle shirt by accident and call yourself a, a comic book fan. Or the reason why I, we were talking about earlier why uh, I haven't bought a, a comic shirt with a logo on it in a while. This is black on black. It, it perfectly goes everything I got. And um, don't want to flex too hard on that sort of thing, but this is definitely a, a <laughs> this is definitely, uh, I remember when I was reading this, I, I really wish I had been listening to Aphex Twin because, you know, the DJ's DJ, this, oh, this is the comic book guys, yes. fans comic book. Um, it, it, it definitely needed some, uh, robot music to, uh, to accompany what's going on here. And, uh, I'm glad we were able to cover it. Uh, we got, we've, we've covered like 90 different topics on this man. Like, uh, uh, earlier, uh, just bring us home. Like earlier, we were mentioning like Big Bang Theory. Like, yeah, like that was difficult to digest as a comic book fan because it was so pop culture fodder. Like, it, we don't talk about these things because we think they're cool and we want you to like us. This is just what we like. Um, the shit we pulled out of our ass when it comes to like Mariko and that sort of stuff. Like that stuff we've done painstaking research because we just got interested in it. And it's just right back to the ethos, uh, ethos and pathos, actually, of uh, what walking the minefields is. And it's it's late, gentlemen. We should probably sign off. Let our uh, <laughs> let our, uh, our the minefielders, the MFers out there, uh, know how much we love them. Thank you for all the subscriptions. Thank you for all the the likes on Instagram and the retweets on Twitter. Thanks for uh, promoting Mr. Morales's new uh, comeback promo. We uh, we've got another one. We're gonna release what tomorrow? We we do that one tomorrow, Thursday. Yep. Uh, tomorrow. I'll drop it in the afternoon at peak uh, d- uh, peak traffic time, and uh, <laughs> we've got a lot more goodies coming along. I got a new camera. I got a new camera for videoing things. That's gonna blow everyone out of the water in terms of photos and uh, what we're videotaping and what we bring to feds when we show up as minefields and. Uh, it's my turn to lead us off. Guys, any you guys got anything left? No, go for it. You're leading us off. Yeah, no. <laughs> Let, nothing left in the tank, man. It's one of those things I'm just finally got a full belly, got some tacos, uh, got my cavassier. But you guys are my best friends in the world. Colin, I love you. Tony, I love you too. Uh, minefielders, we love you too. Uh, this transmission is over, and this is dangerous. <laughs>